0: This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio. I'm Father Ian Dellinger, and I'm playing with food. California has an endless supply of fresh food, and we all know that. But we also have hungry people. Before the pandemic, in San Luis Obispo County alone, one in six residents was living with food insecurity. Now, with the pandemic still with us, that number is much higher. Many of us do what we can to help those who need food. We clear out the outdated cans of vegetables and soups and unopened boxes of dry goods from our cupboards, and take them down to the nearest church. No one is answering the door because it's the pandemic, so we leave our generous bag of outdated shelf-stable food in the very conspicuous place. When the church staff returns, they will find it, and they will distribute it to the needy. Good deed done for the month. Right. But what about fresh food? Just as one cannot live on bread alone, one cannot live on outdated canned goods, and we are surrounded by fresh produce all year round, so, how do those living with food insecurity gain access to the bounty they see all around them? Well, there are hundreds of people in your neighborhoods who are helping make that happen. And it starts and finishes at the food bank.
1: I'm Willie. I am the food rescue programs manager here at the Slow Food Bank.
0: Food rescue why does food need to be rescued?
1: <laughs> we live in a land of agricultural abundance and slow, so. One of our food rescue programs focuses on rescuing produce that gets left in the field. So growers, if they overplant, which is pretty common, or if they simply can't sell or market some of other produce, we're there to rescue that. The other side of our food rescue programs is grocery rescue. So that's grocery stores, little markets, as well as just general food producers. They're always going to have some extra near-date stuff that they're going to need to offload when they get new product in. So that's where we come in to make use of that stuff.
0: The farmers and growers sounds pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. How does it work though? Like, do they say come in when our pickers are there?
1: Typically we're not really working with their crews around. They're usually done with the field by that point. We're there right before they either till or pull the rest out. We're going through while the field is still intact. We don't often harvest from the ground just as a best practice for food safety stuff, unless it's obviously something like potatoes those grow in the ground.
0: Grocery stores. How do you know when to go into the grocery store?
1: We actually schedule recurring pickups from these folks. We'll talk with the local managers there and schedule like, you know, whatever day of the week. And basically, they'll offload anything to us that is still edible. This is not only produce, it's also a bunch of shelf-stable goods, it's non-food, tons of different stuff. By the time produce gets to the store, it's already halfway through its life, and then by the time they're offloading that to us, it's a much smaller quantity that we're receiving through retailers. But. We have such an immense abundance here. We have a lot of commercial farms. There's a lot more left in the field than there is left at the grocery store. We coordinate with the farm manager and we'll send out a group of however many volunteers is appropriate for that. Whatever the crop is, how much there is, how much we can use here at the food bank. After everything is harvested, the truck gets loaded up and typically for larger quantities, we'll come back to our main warehouse here in Slough. And then there's a bunch of different ways that food can go out and be redistributed throughout the county. We have a produce line set up where we have volunteers pack bags of fresh produce. So at our food bank distributions, and those are public sites throughout the county, we'll hand out a bag of dry goods and a bag of produce. So it's really cool because we have our staple goods ordered through California Association of Food Banks. So like potatoes, onions, things like that, just to maintain some sense of consistency. And then we can supplement with like really cool stuff. So we might get kale, we were just doing carrots this past week, but then we also get things like strawberries and avocados. It's really cool to see that we can actually connect people with like these really awesome specialty crops that grow locally in these produce bags. It's not just like potatoes and onions. Those will go out uh, with our drivers to these distributions in neighborhoods. We also have a huge network of agency partners, 80 plus at this point, And those are just smaller organizations that we partner with to distribute. They might have a meal site where they're preparing food for folks. They might have a pantry on site where people can just come in and get whatever they need. And then we also serve like shelters, churches, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, there's so many different ways that stuff can get out. From our warehouse here so what happens
0: when you have something like strawberries mm-hmm. and have to get rid of them they are not shelf stable
1: yeah certainly not no luckily that stuff goes pretty quick it's like nobody's gonna turn away a bunch of strawberries so luckily when we get something like strawberries or blueberries or avocados it's a rarity that we're unable to get them to people who want to eat them
0: that's great so can we go see the produce line yeah
1: totally great yeah here's our produce line We've got some wonderful volunteers packing produce. And here's a really good example of how big of a difference there is between some of the produce that we can supplement these bags with and some of the produce that we're ordering as basic commodities. You see these carrots here. They're kind of um, overwhelming. (laughs) Maybe not the most ideal carrots. You wouldn't be super excited about buying these probably.
0: You just bring up a good point about the cosmetic nature of food. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, want yeah. our food to look perfect. These are short, fat carrots, and we shouldn't be body shaming carrots,
1: <laughs> <you know? laughs> Certainly not, no.
0: I would readily buy these carrots yeah. in the grocery store, but Is this an example of the producer saying, these are the carrots that Americans won't buy because they're not 12 inches long and one inch at the top and pointy at the bottom?
1: Exactly, and so that's why those can be sold at such a reduced price in large quantities to people like us. So this is the kind of stuff that we're gonna get ordering with the California Association of Food Banks, and they're partnering with larger growers who can't sell this for cosmetic reasons. And so moving down the line, those are some apples that we ordered those, but these uh, mandarin oranges came from Cal Poly's campus. So we've been doing weekly harvests with Cal Poly's orchard, bringing in about 2,500 pounds of mandarin oranges each time we're out there. And this one's another really exciting one. So this was a woman who called us from Napomo about her single avocado tree in her backyard. We were gonna drop off some bins thinking we'll give her a few bins to fill up from her one avocado tree. She ended up filling this macro bin, which for context is about a thousand pounds when full of avocados. (laughs)
0: This is a cubic yard bin, and she filled this whole cubic yard bin with her one tree. (laughs) One avocado tree, (laughs) Yep.
1: So her and her son harvested all these avocados together, and then we came and picked it up, and now we're getting to send these out through our produce bags.
0: Wow. So you do have your volunteers here filling the bags with the produce. How long from the time that they make the bags to distribution?
1: They would be packing these for the next day to go out. Something I really enjoy doing is providing some little informational materials like really basic recipes or ways to use something if it's maybe a little more niche. Every persimmon season we get a lot of persimmons, a lot of people wanting to donate their persimmons. So that one's one where I always make sure to provide some sort of how to use this item in each produce bag. It doesn't happen all too often, but yeah, we definitely get some more unique items that might be a little intimidating if you're not sure how to use them, but we try to inform people enough so that it can be exciting rather than intimidating. The last item on our produce line here, this is kind of a good example of one of our partnerships we've established through the gleaning programs. We often go out and harvest at tally, but Over the years, we've become super close partners with them. While we still do these harvests, they also do regular pickups and drop-offs of large quantities of things like this spinach. So they run a big CSA program, Community Supported Agriculture. It's like a subscription for a produce box that you get each week. When they've used all they can for the CSA program, they'll offload All this beautiful produce to us, already packaged, already ready to go. Yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah, we just live in such abundance. It's really great when you can see that connected with people who would never have access to that.
0: This is KCBX Central Coast Public Radio, and I'm Father Ian playing with food on issues and ideas. Willie Wilson, food rescue program manager at the food bank, just took me on a tour of the fresh produce that comes in from the farms and gets bagged at the food bank to be distributed to those living with food insecurity. Gleaning from supermarkets, the farmer's markets, and people's personal homes provides a lot of that fresh produce. Willie is in charge of coordinating all of that. A lot of the produce also comes from the corporate farms in the area, so I volunteered to glean a carrot field to gain first-hand knowledge of, and insight into, the enterprise of gleaning. Hi, Amy. You look pretty adept at this. You did the smart thing, and you pulled out a whole bunch of carrots first.
2: Doing this. Oh, he's doing it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not that good. <laughs> but it just works. Yeah, it yeah. does. I, Last I looked... time I did this, he did the same thing. That really helped.
0: So how long have you been doing this?
2: Uh, I think a year. The one that I did that was grapes from North County, from Paso. So it was hot and they were really heavy. Farm workers, I give them all the credit in the world because that is the hardest job to do. Very difficult and got to be physically fit to be able to
0: do it. Has this doing this given you a different appreciation of the food system? Most of all,
2: yes. Absolutely. And what we can do to make it so that everybody has an equal opportunity to get fresh fruits and vegetables, which is really important for everybody. Just making it so that the community can all come together um, and feed the community is just a really good feeling. It's a benefit for everybody. Any of this farm labor is, you just can't wrap your brain around how hard people work to bring us food. We do this for two hours and I'm exhausted after two hours. I can't imagine 10 hour days and I can't imagine trying to run because you're trying to make more money. So they're running
3: to drop things off and
2: really a testament to the hard work of farm laborers.
3: Ann Kettler, Carolyn Brunel.
0: Megan Basil. What brings you out here today?
3: I just really enjoy coming out for the community and feeling like we're doing something good to help people who are in need. I have been doing it since 2017, so five years, and I'm coming up on my 250th clean.
0: 250, <laughs> so you've probably seen a lot of fruits and vegetables. I've
3: seen blueberries, I've seen kale, a lot of citrus, squash. Apples. Kiwis. I do a lot of apples. We've done kiwis and pomos. so I just love getting out and getting my hands in the dirt. I grew up in the Midwest,
4: and we always had a backyard garden, and we always planted more than we ate. We gave to neighbors, and my mom canned and everything else, so I thought this is a great program. I would say that it helps me understand that there are unequal opportunities for food access, not just locally, but globally. I look at things so like big picture that you don't really recognize sometimes that something's happening where you live and locally. When I started doing this in high school, which was about seven years ago, I kind of wasn't as aware of things that were happening here in Slow County. And so when I started getting into this a little bit more and then going off to college, it kind of really opened my eyes that there are bigger and more really, really important issues that are also happening where I live, not only where I go to school, but also where I have grown up. That's kind of how that has helped me understand the food insecurity that not only are there ways to temporarily leave what we can, but at the same time, it's helped me understand that there are also deeper
3: like root problems that we can also work on as well. When you come out and work and you're picking something like snap peas or green beans, strawberries. That, um, or strawberries and blueberries, our food is so inexpensive When you look at the amount of materials, time and labor, to pick a pound of green beans should cost more than $1.99 or 99 cents on sale just because it takes so long and it's so labor intensive. We really are spoiled here with the cost of fresh fruits and vegetables. Yeah, and
4: I was thinking about the waste issue. It's amazing to see how much food was going to waste before this program started especially in people's backyards. You drive around all over the county and you can see these beautiful lemon trees and orange trees and then you see all this stuff that's on the ground because no one came out and harvested it or they didn't understand when they planted it how it all comes in at one time and you're going to end up with 50 lemons instead of just a few every now and then. The program was started 10 years ago to actually go into people's backyards and help rescue that unwanted fruit and vegetables was it's 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 a cool program because of that, because again it's you can feed a lot of people with the food that was going to waste.
0: Well, just one of these milk crates full of carrots can feed if you ate a carrot a day. That's that's a lot. That's a year's worth of carrots right yes, there. Yeah, exactly.
5: Have you tasted a carrot yet? They're delicious, pulled straight out of the ground. Okay. Yeah, just rub it on your drink. There you go. There you go. Find a good
0: sweet one. Hmm. Mmm, very nice.
5: Sweet,
0: right? Yeah, very sweet. Tastes a lot different than the um, old carrots in my refrigerator.
5: (laughs) The sad, spongy, wilted carrots. (laughs) Well, we've been coming out and gleaning the last few weeks, so we have a refrigerator full of carrots. (laughs) But we've been making uh, juice, a lot of carrot juice, eating them raw, of course, with every meal.
0: I think I might take a couple, like if I'm allowed to take some home. For sure you are. I think I might make a carrot salad. A raw
5: carrot salad? Yeah, easy.
0: How many carrots can be harvested by 25 people in an hour? At the halfway point, I went to find out.
2: So right now, 80 pounds, seven of them, and eight, nine. Nine times eight, 720 pounds so
3: far. That's got to be pretty close to what it is.
0: By my estimate, the volunteers gleaned about 1,500 pounds of carrots rescued from this field. The Glean Slow volunteers went out several times, so that's a lot of carrots that got rescued and redistributed. You are listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Public Radio. I'm Father Ian, out in the middle of a field where Glean Slow volunteers are rescuing carrots for the food bank. Watching these 25 volunteers pull carrots from the ground for two hours and looking at a field that will never be fully harvested got me wondering why the farmer would leave so many carrots in the field. Surely she would just sell them. So I had a conversation with the farmer.
5: Andrea Chavez, and I am the creator and manager of the Tally Farms box program.
0: Okay, so what does that have to do with the food bank?
5: We grow items just for the boxes. We always want to have more than we need. So what we have left over in the fields for the box program, Glean Slow comes out and gleans the extra product. Our main farm that grows for wholesale customers, they also donate every week so much product to the food bank. So I was out here
0: helping glean this carrot field.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Which is now just soil yeah empty
0: soil what's the story behind this carrot field and and why did glean slow come in
5: we grow what we estimate we'll need for our boxes so we want to grow more than we need a little bit more our box count goes up and down and fluctuates weekly monthly seasonally so if we underestimate or overestimate we have extra product in this particular field because it's a weird shape also they planted extra. Now when I tell my production manager what I need I have a spreadsheet that has a whole wish list on it like this is what I want at this time of year for the month of March I want two weeks worth of carrots and then I don't want any carrots then I want two weeks of carrots and then I don't want carrots and then I want two weeks worth of carrots and then I don't want carrots And the reason it's two weeks at a time, because we have a lot of members that get their box every other week. So if we have a product two weeks in a row, they'll be sure and get their carrots. So he plants accordingly to my wish list. But Mother Nature doesn't always work with us correctly. So I can have two lots of carrots run together if it gets warm. The second lot may come early. If it's cool, of course, the first lot may be late and run into the second one. That particular time, all those carrots ran together. And we had carrots in our boxes for three months, every week. And so it was just too many carrots. And of course the older lots were getting too mature. And this is where Glean Slow came in and and we dug up the carrots for them and they came out here and they took the tops off, which we bunch them for our boxes, but they took the tops off and put the carrots themselves in their totes and hold away thousands of pounds of carrots. So as a farm, especially for our box program, Glean Slow is very important to us. They take our extra product. A lot of the cost of growing and farming is in labor. And so if we don't have to pay our people to harvest the crop, That's a huge part of the cost is harvesting it. So that's where the volunteers come in and they harvest the extra product that we have.
0: Surely you could have gotten some profit out of that.
5: For our box program, we grow just for consumers, for our boxes.
0: So none of these carrots could have gone to wholesale?
5: No, I don't have that outlet. If I sold it wholesale, they would have to be very straight, beautiful carrots, not concerned with flavor at that point, but just how they look for retail. And they would have to be boxed as a 24 count bunched carrot. They would have to be labeled with a specific UPC code on the label. The box itself would have to have certain labels on the box so you could trace back to which field and who harvested it and the date it was harvested. For our box program, we harvest in reusable totes that are then sanitized before they go back out in the field. I don't have carrot boxes. I don't have the right boxes to sell, and I don't have enough. Our wholesale side of our farm, they're selling thousands of cartons of Napa cilantro and spinach every day. So they have the wholesale customers and the retail customers to sell their product. I don't have that outlet to box up, 100 boxes of carrots and sell them to somebody. How many people are in the CSA program? We have over 7,000 members Oh
0: my god, because I'm like sitting here thinking why would you plant a whole field of
5: carrots for a couple hundred people? Well I need, (laughs) when he plants carrots for me, I tell him I need about 10,000 bunches in one planting. Wow
0: Like how much of this is 10,000 bunches?
5: I think he plants about an acre Of carrots at a time. Lettuce, he was planting about half an acre of lettuce for each week and it was a little bit too much, so he cut it down to a third of an acre. And of course, that's three months ahead of time. We're looking three months ahead when we're planting and and even farther out than that because a lot of the items we plant are transplants. So we have to get the seed over to Plantel Nursery in Napomo so they can drop the seed in their nursery and get the the plant started then we come in and transplant so I tell my production my organic production manager when I want it and then he works backwards from there we grow over 40 different items for the box program organically he has to juggle certain areas of his field and rotate the crops correctly about 50 organic acres is dedicated to the CSA program that we grow here so the food bank for good-sized growers is really a super outlet for us. We want to commit to donating so much every week so the food bank can rely on us for certain products every week, week in and week out. But then many times we'll have excess. It gives us an outlet and we appreciate that. My program here at Tally for the Tally Farms Box program. We need Glean Slow and the food bank as much as they need us as suppliers.
0: You are listening to Issues and Ideas on KCBX Public Radio. I'm Father Ian, learning about how Glean Slow rescues food from produce growers and distributes it through the food bank. During a different segment, I stumbled upon another partnership through which Glean Slow is getting fresh produce to feed those living with food insecurity
6: from a very unlikely place, a vineyard. Christian Rodriguez, I'm the assistant vineyard manager at Shamisol Vineyards we are not
0: looking at vines we are looking at rows of kale broccoli
6: and onions and zucchini what is this so it's a piece of the vineyard that reached the end of its life and we decided time to to pull it out and instead of just jumping right back into a vineyard we decided to leave the ground fallow for a period of time meanwhile we are using it as kind of a community garden and we've partnered up with the slow food bank and developed a plan of different produce items that they would like us to plant and that they could take and we can help fight the battle against hunger. So the entire piece that's planted is, is one acre. Half of it is three different varieties of bush beans and then the other half is a mixture of leafy greens, brassicas and odds and ends that we piece together. Zucchini, garlic, onions, three different types of peppers, celery, kale, two different types of lettuce, and about six different varieties of brassicas. A special variety of kale lincotto not too familiar. Honestly, a lot of these were donated. I'm a grape grower, not a vegetable farmer. And so I'm just seeing them as they come up and trying to identify them (laughs) as they kind of mature. Yeah, you're a grape grower. And I'm assuming that your educational background
0: as well as your vocational background is in grape growing. So what kind of things are you learning?
6: Oh, all the different things. I mean, how to irrigate, how to develop the land, different pests, you know, that we are not used to battling how the plants mature and when is the correct time and how to harvest them is also another thing that I'm learning. So I find myself now in the produce sections of stores, checking out how things are packaged, but we're learning, it's been fun. The plant material was donated by plantel nurseries in Santa Maria. The irrigation supplies, the majority of it was donated by irrigation design and construction based out of Santa Maria as well. We also partnered with one of our neighbors, Zach Nichols who runs two peas in a pod farm where he lent us his tractor helped me out with the layout and the design and actually supplied us with these beans he's been a great help honestly as kind of like a consultant to me
0: so this project is not simply let's grow some broccoli for the food bank this project is a wider community project
6: I would say we've invited some of our shamisol club members, as well as Chamasol employees, and just an opportunity for people to to kind of give back as they want. At the end of the day, we would, we would like to help with the battle against hunger, but it's a bigger thing. San Luis Obispo
0: County has about 275,000 people, maybe 300,000 people. Mm-hmm. And before the pandemic, one in six were food insecure. Can't do the math off the top of my head. And this is doing a good job at servicing those. So mm-hmm. if you had one of these fields for every 100,000 people, across the country, <laughs> yeah, we could eradicate hunger. Potentially. I mean, we can already eradicate hunger without doing this. It's right. just that our food system is so screwed up and our economy is screwed up and the whole economy is tilted toward the wealthy. Right. But to have something like this all over the country yeah. would be would be fantastic and the goodwill that goes with it like you got the irrigation donated and you got the plants donated and you got a tractor donated and that's not hard to do.
6: No, I mean it's it's at the beginning when it was just an idea it kind of seemed like it was going to be a a big uphill climb to get this done and get things donated and you know do it basically cost free but you'd be surprised how willing people are to give back to the community if you just ask. People want to help other people, especially in, in our community here in SLO, it's is a really tight-knit community and they see someone kind of down, they wanna pick them up. And so it was almost like there was no reservation, no hesitation between any of these companies that I asked. Simple, hey, I have this idea, we have this land, what do you think? They said, no problem, what do you need? When do you need it? How much do you need? They didn't ask for anything in return. I thought that was great. I can't tell you the amount of people that I've had approach me and say, Hey, I heard about what you're doing. Let me know the next time, you know, you guys are going to be harvesting, gleaning, you know, I'd love to come out and be a part of it. I think that that feels really good. And seeing the actual produce when it's harvested, the truck full of lettuce that we pulled the last time was really cool. I would love to connect with the people that are receiving the produce, maybe. I think that would be great, you know, just to see the smile and see everyone receiving the fresh produce and, You know maybe doing a meal together or something you know maybe that would be cool we can do a dinner out here in the field and yeah i would love to continue to do this i think it's a great project it's been a lot of fun
0: i want to be at that dinner table or even in the kitchen to prepare and serve the food to the growers volunteers and recipients willie christian andrea their teams and hundreds of volunteers are making sure that no one in slow county goes hungry There are many conversations about economics, ethics, and morals that need to be had around the root causes of food insecurity in a region where food is in overabundance and also gets wasted. Willie, Christian, Andrea, and the volunteers all have a keen sense of a personal obligation to help solve these problems. They do it with passion. They have to, because it's hard work. This last clip underscores the hard work and the dedication required to make it all happen.
1: So we have a lot of work ahead of us they've been here for about 15 here. minutes already like just right here <laughs> so it might take us some time to get through this field
0: there's a lot of beans there's
1: here so many and like you can sit like where she's sitting for like 10 minutes and just not move
0: <laughs> that's a commitment i mean like yeah. like i know this is a stupid question but are you just very grateful for your volunteers
1: oh my god yeah totally And, you know, they obviously come back because they love it. It's great to be out here. But we totally could not do anything of the sort without all these volunteers.
0: So here we are in this field of beans are they all going to become harvest ready at the same time or are you going to be out here for days
1: we'll be out here for days or more realistically weeks just so we can stock our harvest with volunteers we'll do kind of a succession every week maybe one or two harvests and luckily these will hold on and they're hardy so they'll hold on for quite some time through the summer
0: wow i've been out here before obviously and i've seen this but it didn't really connect in my brain just how much labor would be involved in harvesting this bean crop yeah did you have an idea have you you done beans before
1: yeah i've done beans there's a few crops like this that i think are really eye-opening so something i talk about a lot is like the value of a program being a lot of value for the volunteers and that you get this education of understanding why you go to the grocery store and raspberries are six dollars a pint like you totally understand that after you had to sit in the same spot for 10 minutes to get you know, a very small quantity of berries. And I think it's the same for beans, which is a little different than berries. You don't often encounter like prohibitively expensive beans, but I think it really shows you the labor that goes into harvesting food in general.
0: I'm just, I'm just, I'm kind of overwhelmed and this isn't isn't even a supermarket sized field. Yeah,
1: no, nowhere near. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is like a hobby field (laughs) and it's still, this is going to be hours and hours. Yeah.
0: Wow. This is KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. I'm Father Ian, and I'm playing with food.